All right, hello again, and welcome back to the Jason and Peely Project. Hope you guys are having a super day. We are super excited to bring today's show. Um, Brian's calling in all the way from China. We're going to talk a lot, and this is going to be a really in-depth podcast. I'm super excited to have him. Hey, Brian Miller, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, thank you for being here. And so Brian's been living in China for the past 10 years. He previously worked for the largest Chinese government-owned manufacturers managing their North American export operations. And he now runs a third-party logistics warehouse in Shenzhen, China called EasyChinaWarehouse.com. The company provides third-party logistics and shipping for Amazon FBA sellers and any e-commerce company creating products in China. Previous to Easy China Warehouse, he founded an e-commerce company which sells Bluetooth speakers. So, Brian, the logical first question is: It looks like uh, from your number, you you were at some point in in Connecticut, and uh, now you're in China. How'd you get there? What what drew you there? And um and you've been there for over ten years. Yeah, that's a great question.、Um, So yeah, I grew up in Connecticut、uh, my whole life.、Uh, I graduated、uh, from the University of Connecticut in 2008, actually, and that's kind of what started my journey. Which was we kind of have the、um, the coronavirus、uh, pandemic now, but in 08 we had the financial crisis,、um, and at that time when I when I left my、uh, university, jobs were not that plentiful. And also, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, and so I actually left the U.S. to travel、uh, to Europe,、uh, eventually the Middle East and India, and then I made it to Asia,、uh, where I visited a friend,、uh, and that's where I kind of got introduced to China. So that's what brought me all the way to China ten years ago. Wow! Wow! And and something stood out to you, right? Was it just the the, the ability to find employment that that was that really started the?、Um... The growth track of staying there, or what was it that drew you to, to after all this traveling, say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna basically hang my hat here in China. Yeah, so I, I studied business at university, so I had always had an interest in like、um, uh, doing business. And、uh, when I got to Asia, one of my friends kind of got me to come over to Taiwan at the time, and he told me, you got to come to Asia. Everything's growing like crazy.、Uh, the market's super hot. The culture is very, very different. Uh, and it's the place to be、uh, for the near future if you want to like do business, and so that's why I kind of came, and that, that's what drew, drew me to Asia, and eventually mainland China. So、um, I studied Chinese in Taiwan and then in Beijing, and I always wanted to go to China to、uh, do business、uh, with it because it's such a large、uh, manufacturing hub in the world and trading partner with the rest of the world. So that's what kind of drew me to the region. What what has been some of the biggest takeaways from adapting to a, to a new culture? Oh, there's so many. I mean, everything from you know the way that they eat to to their habits to the way that they think,、um, and, and you know specifically China. If you if you compare it to like the West, it's probably you know almost the opposite in terms of culturally how far the the, the, the cultures are apart. And so I think for me, like the best thing to do, or to be able to adapt, is to just keep an open mind, you know, and also to know that people are different, and to even even if you disagree with people, you at least hear people out and listen to their <laughs> their point of view, and that and and you know don't immediately say it's it's right or wrong,、um, you know, take it in and try to you know comprehend it. Um, and, and that's the best way that I found to kind of like get into the culture and kind of learn about other people because we are very different all around the world, you know. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the inverse of that question: Is growing up um, in the United States and of course in Connecticut, what strengths um, what did you have um, to your advantage moving to Asia or moving to, of course, China um, that you were able to use um, in business there? Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones is just understanding what, uh, whether it be Western people or Western companies need, uh, whether it be, um, you know, directly through language, like having a better understanding of what they're actually asking for. Um, but having a better, uh, understanding of also the U S culture. So the ability to kind of, um, build relationships and trust has been like critical for me in China uh, because I've lived in China, but I also am American. So I think one of the biggest advantages that I had when I came to China is the ability to easily uh, develop trust with, uh, you know, Western customers or Western clients, you could say as well. The line of work you're doing, working a lot with exports and of course working at one point with the Chinese government and now doing um, Amazon FBA. Um, talk to us about that thought process. Um, what drew you to this line and what keeps you in this line of work? Yeah, so uh, originally I started working for a Chinese manufacturer, uh, actually the Chinese government uh, manufacturing industrial components that we exported to North America. And in that process, I kind of learned how to manufacture and make things. And um, I, throughout this whole time, was always looking for some opportunity to go on my own and export my own, you know, products that I can manufacture in China uh, to the U.S. And it came across a time when there was a product uh, that me and my friend, a good friend of mine from university, really liked, uh, but we didn't think the company that was making it was doing a good enough job in in providing good features to their customers. And so basically we went out to develop a Bluetooth speaker on our own that we wanted to use. And that's what kind of started my journey in doing e-commerce is actually making a product that I wanted, uh, which we did. And then we saw if we could sell, sell it to other people. <laughs> and that's kind of how I started getting into e-commerce and developing our own products uh, to ship uh, and, and, and sell into the U.S. You know, it, it's it's candid that a lot of people who who come up and move into a, a particular e-commerce business or even a business in, in general that's making products is that they found a need that wasn't fulfilled and they say, you know, I can't find this, so I'm just going to create it myself. And then all of a sudden now you turn around and you look at it from a business perspective. Um, the What you've done now, you know, of course, going to Easy Chinese Warehouse and uh, some of the other companies, of course, with e-commerce, how do you see that? changing with with what's happening now i mean there's talk about trying to um of course there's all kinds of talk out there so what are you seeing with potential changes coming down the pipeline to, to the way that we we do international trade or just in terms of restrictions or um how's the last two three months looked from being in china basically and how the operations are running yeah sure so in terms of um like trade or global trade um i think from even before the coronavirus to when uh, the U.S. started a trade war with China, we started to kind of have slow escalating tensions uh, over over a year or two. Um, and I think this period of the coronavirus has kind of escalated those tensions for sure. So I, I would say uh, in terms of global trade, um, tensions are, are, are getting worse and I anticipate them to 
to, to, to continue to get worse. Now, that's definitely affected uh, the attitudes, of course, of U.S. buyers and the interest of U.S. companies to kind of diversify their supply chain outside of China. So we have seen like uh, quite a large amount of companies looking to not to say completely leave China, but also to uh, diversify. So maybe to develop a, a factory in a country outside of China just to provide more stability and safety to their supply chain. So that's one thing that we've we've seen for sure uh, as the coronavirus has um, uh, continued and created more more tension. Uh, I think the second thing that we're definitely seeing in terms of e-commerce is a very large uh, acceleration in the adoption of people uh, purchasing online. So this was kind of a trend that was happening um, for many years, as we know. But I think uh, purchasing things online has accelerated in terms of the amount of people that are doing it and also the um, category of product that that's being sold so there's more and more categories that weren't originally being bought online that i think are starting to move to be purchased online Hmm, interesting. Yeah, and I, I'm seeing the same thing here, right? So, so particularly in, uh, in the older community that, that didn't want to order gro- groceries or do other things online, and now, um, usually by by lack of choice, started that process, and now are adapting it because they're realizing, like most things, oh, it's not as hard as I thought, right? How how are you adapting your side of the business um, with what you just talked about here? So, what what's been changing with how you do your day to day operations? Hellringer Events is the premier wedding and event planning company in Central Kentucky and beyond. They offer comprehensive design, planning, and execution packages delivered delightfully detailed celebrations that will leave your guests talking for years to come. Signature weddings, stylish events, let Hellringer Events design a celebration that is uniquely you. Don't take my word for it. Go over to their Instagram page. Just watch what they have there. It's at Hellringer Events, and Hellringer is H-E-L-E-R-I-N-G-E-R Events. And you can also find them at www.hellringerevents.com. Yeah, so specifically um, from the time that I had the Bluetooth speaker company, the reason why we started a logistics company is, again, because we saw a need and a lot of e-commerce sellers having uh, challenges taking their product from their factory in China and distributing it around the world. And so for our business specifically, we only serve e-commerce companies and our uh, uh, business has grown by uh, a, a few hundred percent over this time. So we've seen a strong demand from our current customers and also new customers that have wanted to uh, get either get into e-commerce or there are current customers that are already selling. We've seen their sales explode, which in turn has, you know, helped us grow our revenue. So we're seeing, uh, you know, previous people in the market grow a lot and a lot of new people and companies trying to get into the e-commerce market. So for new people trying to jump in, where is a space right now that you feel is is not oversaturated, if there is one? Or, or what are some steps that someone should look at um, when starting a business that usually a lot of people um, jump too far ahead? Yeah, I think... I think what a lot of people do is they um, go, <laughs> it's kind of a natural reaction for people, which is go into and see what's the hottest thing selling 
and try to sell whatever the hottest thing is. And in terms of, of the amount of demand, that there is lots of demand for those type of products. But at the same time, there's incredible amounts of competition. And so for people just entering or trying a new business, uh, specifically in e-commerce, I don't recommend that they go after the biggest, hottest markets uh, in terms of product markets in, in the world because those markets are incredibly uh, competitive. I recommend that they look in some smaller niche in that maybe in the same category, but that targets a much smaller segment of the market because there will be Give us an example. less competition. Less competition. Um, so uh, what's a good example? That's a great question. Um, so we, we, we have people that um, uh, shell, sell shoes online. Um, and uh, obviously shoes are a very um, mainstream market, but they might sell um, special printed shoes that are only to fraternities and sororities, or they are only to um, uh, certain political uh, uh, groups like Trump uh, supporters or, or, or some type of, uh, or LGBT, so gay and lesbian groups, or... So it's very small niches in the shoe market that have way less competition. We've seen that people are able to uh, be successful in terms of learning how it works. And once they learn how e-commerce works, then we recommend that they can go out into larger, more competitive segments to see if they can compete. What are some of the biggest hurdles opening a e-commerce business? Uh, I would say the biggest hurdle is getting your product manufactured for sure. So um, like understanding how to go through that whole process, but also at the same time is managing inventory and managing your cash flow. So people that sell physical products, one of the toughest parts of the business is that you have to hold inventory and how much inventory to hold and how much inventory to purchase from your factory. because most people are buying from China, the lead times are usually a month to produce and then one to two months to ship to the US. And so you have a three month lead time where you need to do really good planning to understand how much you can sell and how much you cash you have to put up for that inventory. And I think that's probably the hardest part of the business is managing your cash flow and your ordering and inventory so that you can keep growing the business. Because basically, the more successful, yeah, the more successful you are at e-commerce, the more cash you actually need. So, if you sell everything and you're growing, you need to take all the profits that you took from your first batch of inventory and put it into the second batch because you need to buy even more. So you get in this vicious cycle where you feel like you never have money. <laughs> yeah, the more successful yep. you are, the less money you have, basically. Yeah, and that's that stage of growing from a small business to the medium business. It's almost easier to grow small to large than it's small to medium because because you don't have the balance sheet that you've built up for the large business, right? So you're always seeing, you know, you, you and it's a hard point because, um, you know, it's always exciting to see growth, 
But when you can't really account for that growth, if you don't have a track record to know what potential growth can be, well, then you're not allocating the, you don't know how to allocate cash to be available, right? You don't, you don't want to either have, you know, you don't want to raise money or do too many things or get too many bank loans where you're oversaturated with, with equity or debt. Um, but at the same point, you have to look at your business and say, okay, what's something that's not going to, because on the same part, if you don't have the product available and you're trying to grow, well, then it limit, it cuts you at the kneecaps because then there was potential buyers, um, maybe are only going to be so patient depending on the product and they're going to go elsewhere would that be correct yeah yeah exactly yeah managing your cash flow and understanding how much to buy is is the hardest part and and most people get it wrong for the first few years so don't think after the first year you're just going to get it as you grow it's very hard to predict sales velocity online and i see people struggle with it forever so it's very hard to also allocate your capital in this type of business is the using one product line versus many product lines is there a typical number that that usually works pretty well for people who are who are finding success in e-commerce yeah i see like two different like very uh, distinct models and one is like the people that create a very small brand uh, and by small I mean not a large number of different products but they keep it relatively concise in terms of how many offerings they have and they really focus on like developing um, a differentiation between the competitors and a value add in the market compared to the other people and so that's kind of one strategy we say we see and the other strategy we see is sell as many products as you can even if the amount per product is not a lot and don't worry as much about differentiating, just worry about um, selling as many SKUs or product types as possible. And usually typically those people have a large number of products that they sell, but each item that they, you know, per month, they might only sell a few products of product A or a few products of product B. So there's like two different methods that we see that people do um, neither is more successful than the other. Some have very big sales on each side, uh, but the complexity of the second version, which is to sell as many products as you can, is much more complex than, than the more concise uh, strategy. Yeah, absolutely right. Because because you can keep it simple. You can look at your processes. I would I would think that if you're selling a ton of products out there, that must be a logistics nightmare um, from the stance of, of having having inventory. Unless you're just constantly whatever's available putting up there. Um, but I, I guess the marketing stance. So for me, the concise approach would be if I was to do this, what would make more sense to me? But but of course, I don't do this. So so I'm sure there's a million people listening that that do this on with many products, and that's where they find their success. Um, so Brian, I mean, really interesting. What what would bring you back um, stateside? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, it's hard to say because I've built um, kind of my whole life and my company here, and we help a lot of like um, you know U.S. and Western e-commerce companies uh, get their products out of China. I, I think my mom would love to hear this, but probably if I had a family, I might come back. Yep. Um, but I think that's that's one of the biggest drivers. You know, if I wanted my kids to grow up in the U.S., would probably be you know it would probably be outside of business. It would be more personal rather than a business push. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, um, take us out here. What, what, where's the best place for people to um, learn more about you, Easy China Warehouse, what you're doing, um, or if they just want to say hello? 
Yeah, sure. So they can go to our website at easychinawarehouse.com uh, or if they can, uh, if they want to get in touch with me directly, they can send me an email at brian at easychinawarehouse.com. That's awesome. Brian, I super appreciate you taking the time here. What time is it there? Uh, it's almost 10 p.m., so almost, almost awesome. time for bed here. Good. Well, I super appreciate you taking the time to be on the show with us. Um, just, I learned a ton. I know people um, looking to jump into e-commerce or even thinking about the process of, of how their products are coming to them. This is going to be hugely beneficial. And again, thank you for coming on the show. Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Bye now. Join us for your second cup of coffee every Monday through Friday at noon. Live every day brings us our best content we've done so far. Super excited, super engaging, bunch of great guests. We're here to answer your questions and we so appreciate you listening. Make sure to check this out. Can't wait to see you.